I'm McKinney Smith. In 2009, while going through a divorce, I decided to jump straight into entrepreneurship. In 2012, I lost my sister and asked myself, what legacy do I want to leave behind? Since then, I've become a serial entrepreneur, helping other women publish their books, produce their podcasts, and reach their big goals to walk in their greatness. I realized the importance of sharing our stories of resilience and how it can be another's guide to walk in a manner worthy of their calling. We are blessed to be a blessing. So get ready to be blessed with an inspiring testimony. Hey, Legacy Leavers, thank you for joining us on the Awaka My Stilettos podcast, where we have conversations with amazing women that are letting us step into their shoes. I help women to own their voice so they can create impact, prosperity, and legacy. I get inspired when I see another woman succeeding, but what interests me more is her backstory and her mindset on how she got there. So today's guest is about to bless us with her testimony, and since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. Today, we have Dominique Baker. She is a Canadian-based fashion and beauty influencer and content creator with a strong voice in Ottawa's Black community. Since launching her blog, Style Domination, in 2015, she has grown a global following. She is also a hair guru with a thriving YouTube channel, a fitness lover, and a happily married dog mama. She's been featured in The Guardian, Flair, The Kit, and CityLine, and also hosts events for Dress for Success, The Gem Conference, and has been named a United Way person to know for the past three years. So please welcome to the show, Dominic. Hi, I'm thrilled to be here. (laughs) Thank you so much, Dominic, for coming on and sharing your story with us. I'm excited to dive right in. Awesome. I'm excited to get started as well. And you're very welcome. So I love to start the show with, I guess, getting to know a little bit of the, I'm going to say the precursor to where you are today. So as an icebreaker question, I'm just going to ask, you know, like, what did you want to be when you're a little girl? I wanted to be a cashier at the grocery store. <laughs> I loved the cash register. Like I had a little Fisher Price cash register that my mom got me and she'd take me to the grocery store and I'm like, oh, she's doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to play with money and press buttons. And uh, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, those, the, reach for those stars, right? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. So tell us how you went from using your imagination, wanting to be the cashier and play with money to where you are today. Tell us your, your story. Walk us through that journey. My mother took me to a book fair and there was an old copy of Grey's Anatomy there, which I really wanted. She bought it for me and it's hilarious because it's a thick medical guide with all these gory pictures. <laughs> and that, that stoked the whole fire. I really wanted to become a doctor. High school came along and my, my math marks were not very good. I got a tutor, but, but still, <laughs> the math marks <laughs> didn't cut it. So um, I just decided... At the time, the tech boom was literally booming. So um, I took some computer courses and uh, started a bachelor's degree in psychology and university and uh, graduated. But I knew at that point that I didn't want to continue on with computer science. It wasn't for me. So I got Mm -hmm. a government job, just like everybody in this city. And uh, yeah, that's uh, eventually got me to here where I am right now. Yeah. So, um, I mean, you recently quit your government job to focus solely on 
being a, a, you know, a social media, like to have a social media career. So what has that journey been like for you, especially as a black influencer? Um, I have to say that I really didn't like that government job, that, that corporate life. Um, I was not built to sit in a cubicle for Mm -hmm. eight hours a day and then retire. And after 35 years, that just wasn't for me. (laughs) I really am truly a creative type. And when I started my blog six years ago, I just loved the creative process of writing and photography and, you know, uh, when, you know, I, I was a fashion blogger primarily and just styling clothes and putting everything together. It really filled me. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, just getting to know my followers, it, which was truly the greatest part of this whole process. I met so many friends and like-minded people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was fortunate enough to have to gain a lot of success early on. But as a black influencer, there was definitely hurdles in the way, you know, I worked with worked, I approached brands to work with them. And, Mm -hmm. you know, one actually said to me, we don't serve black people. It was a cosmetics brand and they didn't have any makeup whatsoever that would Mm -hmm. look good on us. And that was a real blow. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I, you know, I'd come across any other brands as well. You'd look at their Instagram feeds and there was not one person of color represented whatsoever. So for me, it was a really relatively good experience. The whole nine yards, it truly is my passion, but you know, definitely had its tough moments as a black influencer, just like everything else in our lives. Mm -hmm. I felt I really did have to work twice as hard to prove myself that, you know, my photography is good and my writing is worth it and I can sell your product. So, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. You know, I'm trying to remember, I believe there was an episode I did with a lady who she focuses on intimate wear for women of color. And we had a conversation about the beauty industry and that there's, I'm not going to say years ago, because right now we've got way more options than we had before, but I'm going to say years ago because maybe, gosh, I forget how old now, maybe 20 years ago when I was um, in college and I went for aesthetics and spa management, I took a makeup class and the our beauty kits had different colors of foundation and there was one option for black skin tone and it was super, super, super dark and has like an orange undertone. There was no options, yeah. right? Yeah, that so, sounds about right. Yeah. So we were just talking about the lack of option and how that actually makes us feel, you know, especially when there was models in the beauty industry where, you know, makeup artists didn't know how to put makeup on their skin tones or didn't have their color foundation. It's like not giving them the proper tools to succeed. Most definitely. And that was my experience as well. I'm a certified esthetician Mm. and I went, I went to the best beauty school here in Ottawa. And um, at the time it was getting a bit more diverse, but oh my gosh, I remember getting my makeup done for my wedding. And Mm. that's a classic example. She did such an awful job. I look like ghost face. Mm. And there I was scrambling before my ceremony to fix her complete atrocity of a makeup job. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But that was, that was the status quo, you know, especially 
you know, I live in Ottawa, Canada, which is the capital of Canada, and it's a pretty conservative government town. And I don't think it's all that diverse. It's better now. Mm-hmm. But back then, um, if you wanted makeup for women of color, there were two options, and that was maybe three options, Lancôme, Estee Lauder, and uh, maybe like, gosh, I can't, I can't even, I can't even remember. And Mm -hmm. they would sell out so fast because those were the only options in the city for women of color. And then you were kind of stuck if, if your colors are gone, you had to do this like creative chemistry in your bathroom, mixing all these crazy colors. (laughs) I I would 100% say, you know, my teenagehood, when I wanted to start wearing makeup, all my girlfriends were white. I was one of three black kids in my school and there was nothing for me. Mm-hmm. And all the models looked like Claudia Schiffer and Cindy Crawford back then. And I felt left out. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Wow. Yeah. So there's, there's two things that I wanted to unpack there. Like one, having to become scientists to create our own makeup. <laughs> like, I mean, I can't even imagine. And I, I think about, for example, like my daughter who is um, turning 20 this month, but I remember when she hit grade nine and she started wearing makeup and um, my children are mixed by the way. So she didn't like in the household when she started, I'm going to say going into my makeup bag, she would have to like become a scientist to mix my foundations with like lotion and her concealer to get her color. Like I just think about the creativity yeah. we had to do in the day. You know what I mean? Wow. Yeah, definitely. I, I was utterly sick of having to buy two foundations at a time to mm-hmm. mix them together to get my color. And, you know, as my beauty blogging grew bigger and bigger, I I did feel a little bad because I I spoke to Asian women, South Asian women, like even white women who admitted they'd have to do the same thing. That hit me like a ton of bricks. Like if Mm -hmm. if the white girls had to mix their stuff together, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. somebody have to do better, like all around. So. Yeah, I found, um, especially early on, I just felt women of color always had to spend twice as much just Mm -hmm. to, you know, have the same options. And that was frustrating. Absolutely. And then you you spoke about, you know, your wedding day, which I can't imagine what it's like in your wedding day to have to figure out redoing your your makeup and not looking your best. That's like for many women, that's the biggest day of their life. Um, Yeah. I believe I'm still bitter. I believe I read that you've been married 17 years. Is that correct? That's right. We just celebrated our 17th wedding anniversary over the weekend. Happy anniversary. That is so beautiful. Thank you. Um, thank I'm a you. big lover just, of love. So thank, congrats. Me too. I love love. And I consider myself very lucky. Very lucky. Amen. 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 Has your, <laughs> has your husband like, okay. So I believe I also read that, you know, he's the one who, suggested that you get into blogging, right? Yes, definitely. So for all those women listening, because you know, sometimes you may have a partner that doesn't understand your journey or your creativity or all those things. Like, I would love to hear, I guess, how he, I don't know, contributes to your brand or how that works. Ryan is incredible. He's, uh, I would say my number one supporter, definitely. And, uh, you know, he's a comms expert. So I, I feel like I do credit him with a lot of my success. He was really great with strategizing and public relations and things like that. He's also a superb writer. So he'd give me tips. Mm -hmm. Um, It was so funny. It was like, you know, he knew more about blogging than I did. Like for him, (laughs) 
that sort of thing as a comms expert, it comes naturally to him. But, you know, he really helped me hone my writing skills, especially when it came to concise, engaging writing. And that's what blogs are. You can do the long form content that does really well on Google mm-hmm. for indexing on Google. But, you know, we all know everybody's attention spans are super short. So mm-hmm. he really helped me with that sort of thing. Way back in the day, he was like, you're always doing fun things. You love fashion and makeup and you're going to fun events around the city. Why don't you start a blog and write And uh, sure enough, I covered the grand opening of Nordstrom in our city six years ago, like Ottawa's Mm -hmm. super behind when it comes to fashion (laughs) and stuff. We finally got a Nordstrom like six years ago and it blew up. You know, Mm. one thing I will say about Ottawa is we we may be a little starved for fashion, but we are starved for fashion. The residents here do want it. And Mm -hmm. um, that post blew up and... Ryan just helped me sort of from there. Like I, you know, I, I will admit mo- most of it is my creative direction, but he's just really, really great at, you know, he'll read the newspaper and he's like, Dom, they were writing about this. And it's, I, I read it. I thought it was really interesting. Why don't you do something like this? Mm-hmm. Also? I love it. So he's love really, the support. Really, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he's also for a long time, he was my Instagram husband. He would take my photos and, I would say I was really good behind the camera. So I taught him mm-hmm. and then yeah. the funniest thing happened. Like we would go out and shoot and I'm like, okay, Ryan, hold the camera like this, do that, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, I think you should stand like this and <laughs> wear, wear some brighter lipstick and, and, you know, pop, pop your butt out some more. And <laughs> he totally turned into the creative director and I, I thought it was pretty funny and, so now when we shoot, we, there, it's a bit of a power struggle. <laughs> but yeah, he is great. I'm, I'm really grateful for him. I love it. I love it. So, okay, share with us, like, what has your journey been like since the pandemic? Has it affected either the way that you create content as a social media influencer? Has it affected, like, how you do your blog? Girl, yes. <laughs> I um <laughs> You know, it was, I, I, I really took for granted how much easier it was before the pandemic. All the locations in Ottawa, everything was open. I could mm-hmm. go shoot anywhere easily before the pandemic. And, you know, uh, I was traveling a whole lot more so I could get really, really beautiful content. And then the world shut down. And um, I would say people were hungrier for different things during the mm-hmm. pandemic, which totally makes sense. You know, like nobody was really what people were interested in the travel content, but not really because you, you, they couldn't emulate it at the time. Right. They couldn't take advantage. Um, it also, I was working from home when I was still working in the federal government. So I, I was able to plan my day a bit better because I wasn't frankly wasting two hours commuting back and forth from the office. So that really gave me more time to focus, like organize my day better. Let's say Mm -hmm. my, I would say my content got a whole lot better when Mm. the pandemic came along and I just stuck with what I learned and and the new practices I put in place. And then And then, uh, yeah, uh, January came along and my world went a little upside down and I decided to, you know, I was really miserable. I had worked in the federal government for 14 years and like I said, it wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. And I had, I had been saving for about eight months 
before Jan this past January to take the plunge and make sure mm-hmm. I have like an you know, a nice fat nest egg to keep me going. Mm-hmm. And then I finally, yeah, gave my two weeks notice and I had never felt more free in my life. <laughs> so I had the whole days to myself and um, I took about a week to decompress. Mm-hmm. And then I, but I was itching to get going. I, you know, now that I was no longer committing eight hours of my day to my corporate job, I took the time to research new camera equipment, new, um, new stuff for the office, just to, to work better, like get the office supplies and tech equipment that I really needed. I had mm-hmm. time to research that. I had time to better strategize, like, you know, content strategy for across my social media channels. I had more time to focus on YouTube and creating the content I wanted to write. Like I could spend a whole day just writing captions for Instagram Mm -hmm. posts. And I was so much happier. Like my husband and my sister just like admitted, they're like, we haven't seen you this light (laughs) and free in years. And that's exactly how I felt. And Mm -hmm. that came through in my content. The growth I've had since I left my corporate job and have been able to focus on my passion has been extraordinary. So yeah, the pandemic really forced me to work better, like work smarter. Mm -hmm. And I am, I am grateful. It really was a blessing in disguise for me. I'm grateful now for the pandemic. I can't even believe it. You know what? You're not the only one. I've had conversations with so many women, uh, especially on the podcast and including myself, that the pandemic has allowed us to thrive in ways that we never expected. And it's not to say that there hasn't been some challenges, but I can honestly say it's been way way better <laughs> than it has, it, yeah. um, you know, than it has been negative. There's been so much growth in who we've become as people, so much clarity, so much, um, I'm going to say almost like a revelation as to what's important to us. Um, you know, focusing on taking care of ourselves and being happier and allowing ourselves to feel joy and not doing the things that, you know, we don't want to actually do that are sucking the energy yeah. out of us. Yes. And I feel that's a really great point. A lot of us actually feel guilty from like the women I've spoken to. They felt a little guilty about no longer wanting to do what they don't want to do. And that's been key to my happiness. Mm-hmm. It's almost selfish, right? You know, a lot of us have to work a job that we don't exactly love and, and so on and so forth. But I feel the pandemic really opened my eyes to more than just business, more than just my livelihood. Mm-hmm. I cut mm-hmm. out, <laughs> this sounds terrible, but I have to say, I cut out people that I no longer, that like relationships that no longer served me, like friendships mm-hmm. that were more like frenemy ships. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I stopped, you know, I just stopped doing things that were making more, me more unhappy or were time wasters. And mm-hmm. I just feel I've grown so much as a person. I feel like I went through a very difficult period at the beginning of the year. And a lot of people who claim that they were my friends just went MIA. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that little, I don't expect you to come over to my house and cradle me or anything, but, you know, just checking in to see if I'm dead or alive would have been nice mm-hmm. when I cut out all of the friendships that I felt no longer 
uh, served me, not that, you know, it was Mm -hmm. no longer a two-way street, Mm -hmm. I felt better. I cut out the working out that I was doing that I didn't like anymore. That's where people fail with fitness, right? Mm -hmm. They decide to go work out at the gym and in, in, in tr- all truthfulness, they hate the gym. They hate the commute to the gym, all of those things. So mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. like I was eating foods I didn't like. I cut out the friends that, that weren't serving me anymore. Um, I started doing fitness routines that I really loved, like just even meditating and yoga. And I started cooking more. I never had the time to do that before because essentially I had two full-time jobs, right. the cooking filled my soul. <laughs> just cooking the food I wanted to make three times a day, I got so much healthier. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't know, it's just been, I feel like the pandemic has truly been an eye-opening, like a revelation for me, and I've never felt better. I love I, that because I feel the same. <laughs> 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 I love it. I love it. So what advice would you give to a woman that's listening right now that she's in a corporate job that she absolutely hates and wants to pursue her passion? What advice based on what you've experienced so far, what would you, what would you tell her? I swear to that the key to happiness, well, at least for me was just doing things that really fill your soul mm-hmm. that really feed you. And, um, I, I can't stress this enough. I know it's easier said than done, but do not stay in a job that is killing your soul. I was working with a bunch of people who didn't look like me. I was passed over a lot. I don't know. I felt a little lost in that job. And when I cut that job loose, my world opened up. Like, uh, I implore you, if you're, if you're feeling stuck in a job or you really hate your job, that will kill you in the long run. Mm-hmm. Do whatever it takes to find something better. Do whatever it takes. Make finding a better job your full-time job. Yeah. So, okay, what would you say inspires you the most about what you do? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I would say meeting meeting new people, Um, connecting with like-minded people. That fills me. It's it's not the money. It's not the free clothes and the boatloads of free, wonderful skincare. It truly (laughs) is meeting like-minded people who you can talk to and connect with. The thing I love the most about my blog, YouTube, Instagram is answering the comments. Mm. So many influencers don't do that and they wonder why they don't grow and why their community is a little weak. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. if you want to become an influencer, I would say the number one piece of advice right there is fostering your community, serve the community you already Forget about growing and hitting some arbitrary number. Mm-hmm. Foster the people who are already there supporting you. So yeah, um, that that is a, a huge like what I would say really inspires me. Like I, you know, right up there is being my own boss mm-hmm. and making the type of money that affords me and my husband the lifestyle that we love. That's <laughs> uh, you know a lot of women dumb that down. Mm-hmm. A lot of women don't like to talk about money. But mm. I like money <laughs> and I like being <laughs> comfortable and I like looking forward to a comfortable future as well. Like mm-hmm. I don't ever want to be that girl who couldn't do what she wanted to do because she didn't have the money to. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's important to me, but doing so in a way that fulfills me is very important. I'm no longer breaking my back or bending over backwards for brands who don't see my value. Right. Uh, 
yeah, so that's what inspires me, meeting the new people, um, making the type of money that allows me to live a great life and, and just doing something that allows me to be healthy and happy. That, that really keeps me going. Mm-hmm. I, I love the part. So I love all of what you just said, but I, I want to start with the part about meeting new people. Like I know there are a lot of people who I'm going to say, okay, so social media is what you make it. If you use social media for good, you'll find good in it. If you use social media for bad, you'll find bad in it. So I've, I've been self-employed for over 11 years now and social media has okay. allowed me to make amazing connections. It has allowed me to take those connections offline and have, you know, deep, intimate relationships with people that are like-minded. So I love how you speak to the relationships and how you even speak to the engaging with the people that are already there. Because yeah, like you said, people will have this obsession with the vanity metrics of gaining new followers or, you know, and, but you're not providing value to the people that are already there. Um, yeah. And I, Honestly, I had to learn to use social media through my children. My my middle daughter, she's also an influencer. And she's, like I said, she's turning 20. And I remember when she was 16. And we you have a 20-year-old daughter? I have a 23-year-old <laughs> daughter as well. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I thought you were in your 20s. <laughs> yeah, I'm we 41. Good, girl. <laughs> That's Thank incredible. you. Oh. Oh, yeah, I'm 41. So, um, (laughs) yeah, my, my middle daughter, she, I remember when she was 16 and we allowed her to make her page public and she just started gaining followers rapidly, but she was connecting with other, I guess, teens within Toronto. And then she just grew and grew and grew like her, her 16th birthday. I don't know how so many people found out in such a short period of time, but my house was like filled with 300 people. But today, um, she just, um, she just hit yesterday. Uh, 1.2 million on TikTok, and she's almost at half a million on Instagram. But people don't realize it, it is. But you know what she does? She fosters the connection with her followers. Her followers, Honestly. I almost feel like they're they're almost like a cult following. But she she responds to all her comments. You know, people will like even when she responds to a comment or goes to her followers page and interacts with them on there. They're in such shock that someone that they feel is at you know that level that interacts with them. They love her even more. <laughs> like, of course, of course. So you know, I I can I feel that because that I I do that as well. Like. Um, I'll, I'll notice somebody will like 20 of my photos in a row mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, what's happening here? And I'll go over and check them out and like a few. And mm-hmm. <laughs> they'll write to me and they're like, oh my God, you know that I'm alive. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> People just want to be like, seen. Oh, <laughs> yeah, of course. Of they course. want to be acknowledged. And of course. I, I, I do a lot of public speaking and, um, you know, brands or, uh, community organizations will hire me to speak about how I became an influencer or just building your self-confidence and things like that. And mm-hmm. um, People are always so shocked when I say, you know, a key part of it, um, what I truly love is engaging with followers and they're stunned. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, yeah. I'm like, well, do it. <laughs> See what happens. <laughs> like they're kind enough to take a minute out of their day to like and comment on your photos. The least you can do is acknowledge yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. What's your daughter's handle? I've got to check this out. Oh, and I'll, and I'll, <laughs> I'm oh, going to okay. give you a, I'll, a I'll disclaimer. <laughs> no, okay. she's, she's a bit of a I'll rebel. 
Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll message you her her profiles. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. No problem. problem. (laughs) That's okay. So before we go to the final segment of the show, I want you to tell people where they can stay connected with you online. Okay. So uh, you can find me online on Instagram at Dominique.Baker. I'm also on TikTok at Dominique Baker Official. And my website is styledomination.com. I'm also on YouTube. You can search Style Domination on YouTube to find me. And uh, yeah, that's uh, how you can find me online. Perfect. So I will have all of your direct social links in the detailed section of the episode so they can just click and connect with you directly and they won't have to search too far. Wonderful. I appreciate that. Thank you. No problem. No problem. So the final segment of the show, I call it a walk in her wisdom. And I just ask like a couple quick reflection questions, kind of like a rapid fire. You can share whether it be one word or one sentence, whatever comes to mind. Ready when you are. All right. What have you become better at saying no to in the last five years? That could be distractions, invitations, family. Oh, gosh. I'm sorry. This is the first thing that pops in my head, and it's so true. It's um, brands, brands, saying no to brands who want the world but refuse to pay. Right. Absolutely. Okay. What new belief, behavior, or habit has improved your life in the last five years? Showing gratitude and writing affirmations every single day. Mm, I love those two things. Um, yeah. Name a book that has changed or greatly impacted your life. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the help. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just, I loved it. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, if you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say and why? Uh, the billboard would be in Times Square in New York City. And it would say, thank you. Thanks for giving me a chance. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. And last but not least, what do you wish women would do more of? Realize their worth. Mm, Love it. Wow. Thank you, Dominique. Honestly, thank you so much for taking the time to just share your story with us. Thank you for opening up and just sharing the insides of, you know, behind the Instagram feed. I truly, truly appreciate you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. This has been really nice. I really appreciate it. I'm grateful. So grateful you reached out. Thank you so much. And to all of you legacy leavers out there that are listening until next time, make sure that you subscribe, rate the show and leave us a review on Apple podcast. And I want to truly, truly thank every one of you out there that has been listening to the show because thanks to you, we currently rank in the top 1.5% globally of the most popular podcast out of over 2.5 million. So thank you. I just want to thank every single one of you. And if you could think of one person that would receive value from hearing today's show, please share it with them. Feel free to screenshot this week's episode and you can tag Dominique at Dominique.Baker and you can tag myself at The Real McKinney Smith. So continue to walk in greatness in your stilettos in a manner worthy of your calling. <laughs>